Hey everyone, it's Millie. Wait, I'm not ready. Go ahead. Sorry. Go. Hey everyone, it's Millie. It's Gabby. And welcome to another week of Change by Degrees. Um, we're almost to the end yeah. of, I think it's the fifth season. I, yes, it's the fifth Sounds season. Right. Yeah. And uh, we've had a whole journey. And uh, this is the first episode of this type that we're doing. I think we've done that a lot. I listened back to our last episode and we're like, we've just done like a whole ragtag you know genres of things for this season there's no continuity so here we go well we did do okay but we did do like a lot of not redoing episodes but like revisiting episodes yeah yeah. so we either were revisiting episodes or had completely outlandish like new ones this is one of the outlandish new ones so now that we've kind of bridged the gap out of the scary bedtime stories we hope you enjoyed that um we're gonna talk about a book and we thought we could open this episode by talking about why we chose this book out of all the others and we couldn't remember so we can discuss now or try (laughs) to figure out what overcame us when we were like we should do this book. I, I, I remember not really... You picked this. I remember. I did not. Yes, you did. Because I said... Because I remember... I don't remember the details. You don't, you don't remember anything. No, no, no. no. I don't You're remember the details, but I mind. do... No, 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 no. You don't remember but I told you, BS. you were t- Okay. You were talking about Brene Brown. <laughs> and When? I don't know this chick. Because I said... I remember I said, like, oh, I read this book, this other book by her, but I didn't finish it because I didn't know really what she was talking about. And then when we were talking about getting a book, another book, you were like, oh, let's do, like, another Brene Brown, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, oh, okay. Like, I don't really care. And this one I said again. I was I reiterated. I said, I read another book by her, but I ain't finish it. But I'll, we go and try this one. And that's what happened. But I didn't choose I this. I remember that conversation at all. I remember it clearly. And I'm pretty sure you And then Tim was in the room, this. and he no, was like, mentioned- oh, and her TED Talk. Because that's, that that's how he knows. <laughs> sounds like in yeah, your mind in my mind that's how it um, sounds but it's a book it is it's, it's a book I Braving feel like the Wilderness did, by Brene Brown we for never everyone said to was. know hey 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 you okay. can DM us to our podcast page because it was Miss Sanford's 25th she's old as like dirt yes. Um, yes. birthday last weekend it and we went was. to like a bookstore that would have been like a smarter that we go to like a bookstore and pick a book that well, I have interests the book both right of us but you wouldn't like this as horror but it's it's really interesting anyway I haven't started reading it yet but I'm really excited <laughs> But I feel like that would have been like more constructive than us. Like I remember getting this delivered. It was like on on discount on Amazon, and I got it the next day. And I was like, "Here you go." Yes. And then we waited until the last minute to read. Well, I did. I'll, I'll admit, because we got these <clears throat> back in like the winter. Yeah, because it was at the beginning we were planning what type of episodes to do this season. We were like, "That would be cool to for us both to actually read an entire book." Because I remember last season we like read the first chapter and like judged it heavily. Oh, that so, one book, dude, yeah, it was so, so bad. bad. Um, Sorry, so we I don't thought even let's actually was. like put the effort towards reading yeah. the whole book and then talk about it and i think it's something that neat well i don't know would you have read this if it wasn't for the podcast probably not because it, i had read that other oh, book yeah, by her confused. i think it was uh rising strong by Brene brown and i i just didn't and i picked it up because i had watched her <clears throat> ted talk and i really enjoyed it yeah she did a few years ago and so I picked up her book and I started reading it and I got maybe like a quarter of the way through and I was like, I don't, I'm just, I just don't know what she's talking right. about. So I probably wouldn't have picked up another book by her if you, once again, that's why I know it was you no, that said something because I would never have suggested it. this. And she's like, but she came out with a new book and I was like, oh, this okay. isn't a new one though. This is like, like a, a few years old. It's a few years old, a few years, like 2018 or something like that. I don't know. Let me look at the publication. Not that it matters, but now I'm curious. 2019, 2019. That's not that old. Oh, wait, no, I'm like, lying, I'm I, lying. Look. Copyright 2017, but it was republished 2019, so 2017. Anyway, yeah, Braving the Wilderness by Brene Brown. The quest for true belonging and the courage to stand alone well, is what the title is. So, this is closer to the type of book, like, maybe I would read. 
because also sis was really dragging me when we were at the bookstore together and she's like that's you you and yours and tim's section well because it was on like and habits like, and like to leave so being fast. more productive but it's this isn't great. like that this is like no 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 but self-help type not self-help i know that's not it's really but cheesy she tries to do it um it's just it's anyway but yeah, I do like habit building books and stuff yes. like that. Um, which again, it's closer to the things I read than what you read is what I was trying to say. Yeah. It's not something necessarily I don't think I would pick up, but it's fine because we went through a journey. Mm-hmm. Yep. And uh, if you don't know Brene Brown, she's like a social scientist. And I think her research is mainly in, I don't know if it says on the back of the book, so I don't like butcher it, but um, or in her bio. But I know she mainly deals with the study of like vulnerability <clears throat> and leadership Um Yes, she has spent the past two decades studying courage, vulnerability, shame, and empathy, and is the author of five number one New York Times bestsellers, Dare to Lead, Braving the Wilderness, Rising Strong, Daring Greatly, and The Gifts of Imperfection. And then the TED Talk that I had watched, The Power yeah. of Vulnerability, is one of the top five most viewed TED Talks in the world with more than 35 million views. So that's where I first um, that's heard wild. It. Yeah. It's amazing because in the last chapter, she goes like through all the things she's working on like her for businesses or companies or whatever and i'm like oh wow this chick does a lot yes um, she does she had an interview like in the first chapter she talks about her interview with um oprah and then mm-hmm. she talked to maya angelo and then it was um she's met like several people she talked to one of some football coach i don't know but she gets around so good for her <laughs> she had a lot of stories she had a lot of stories <laughs> um but before we go through like specific things that i think each of us hopefully enjoyed or disliked or whatever um i thought maybe yeah, but we'll shoot this down if it's not a good idea. But to I'm talk about diseased. the main quote that's like is woven throughout her whole book and like what started her off in this research mm-hmm. on like belonging, mm-hmm. which is Maya Angelou. Mm-hmm. And it's you are only free when you realize you belong no place. You belong every place, no place at all. The price is high. The reward is great. Yas, Maya. I... I feel like because she she that was like the first chapter that she was yes like, and then she brought understand. it back she a did. few like just yeah. the end part like the price is high the reward is great yeah um I was really okay to just on like an overview of the whole book and like my experience the first chapter I was like utterly confused and I didn't connect at all because mm-hmm. I just I don't relate I think to her same childhood experience which happens um and why she was like so pressed about this quote because she really didn't understand it and like throughout the book she realizes just how much she does understand mm-hmm. that quote and whatnot um and i think like four was my favorite chapter i listen chapter four every single page i was like earmarking because mm-hmm. like every page was like so good um like it was working up to it and then four and five were really good and six and seven like you get closer mm-hmm. to wrapping up the idea because and let me see if i can find the notes because she begins this research and she goes through four things which were her research questions or i guess what she framed her research in and it, number one is people are hard to hate close up move in which i think both of us really like that one i liked that one. um two speak truth to bullshit mm-hmm. be civil three hold hands with strangers and four strong back soft front wild heart yeah that last one was probably my least favorite <laughs> I was I, not say. because of like that but i i, I understood the concept like what she mm-hmm. was talking about but i just was like yeah yeah i get it i get it i get it I, I really do think that towards the end of six and seven it's not a knock on anything but i just don't relate a whole lot when things get super like meta or like symbolic like she's talking about the wilderness and you know being brave and like vulnerable still yeah and i was just like i like it was more to the point i think in four and five yeah and I guess we can talk about, because like, it is called Braving the Wilderness, and I guess if you have no context and you haven't read this book, you're like, what does that even mean? But I guess we can start there. So like, what how I understood is what she was talking about the wilderness was 
being in a space, which is goes back to the Maya Angelou quote, quote that she didn't understand um, at all and how it related to like being alone and blah, 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 and why mm -hmm. that's a good thing, but why the cost is very great to do so mm -hmm. and to stand alone. And um, so she kind of defines the wilderness, or at least how I understood as her defining of the wilderness as being in a place where you're almost like, um, I don't want to say like a third space, but that's how I can relate it to my mind. Cause I did a lot of research on third space theory in college, but um, mm -hmm. like being in a, a space that I guess would be a third space because you might be taking characteristics from one quote unquote side or one side of you or one side of a political party mm -hmm. or one side of anything like social issue, whatever, and still relating to the complete opposite side. And so mm -hmm. you're kind of like creating your own, um, space that doesn't necessarily fit into anything else. And so she kind of calls that the wilderness and how do we stand in that space, which I thought was kind of cool. Like it was a cool, um, like way to explain it. Mm -hmm. Cause I think a lot of times people are like, and she talks about this in her book, like, Oh, well, I really agree with this, but I also agree with this, which is the complete opposite. Like, what do I call this? And right, it's just right, kind right. of like, it's a, just a different spot to be in. And it's like braving the, the wilderness. Like you're mm -hmm. just kind of alone. And so she talks about standing alone for different things that you believe in. Um, and how you do that and why it is worth it, which goes back to like the Maya Angelou mm -hmm. quote or whatever. But I did, I did like that um, aspect of it, of her explaining it like that. I thought it was a good explanation. Um, but she also talks about on the flip side is like how to treat people who either aren't braving the wilderness with you or don't understand why you're mm -hmm. in that space that you're in, um, which is the one that I, the chapter I really liked was it, people are hard to hate close up move in. Yeah, which I, I mean, I think it was... I just really, I liked... It was four. It was chapter four, yeah. yeah. And it was probably one of the longer chapters. Yes. But it was so good. Like, I don't know. I just really connected to it. She, and I, maybe it's because she started by talking about, um, like, human rights issues and stuff, which always mm -hmm. interests me. But, but she kind of talks about, like, the research behind why human rights, like, atrocities occur mm. and how they gain traction like you know why did the rwandan genocide occur how did that happen why did the holocaust occur right. how did a humanity allow that to happen and so she kind of takes that on a large scale and brings it down to like a micro right. scale of everyday life right. and says you know like well people people if you move in close to people you're going to be less inclined to have a reason to hate them mm -hmm. but we don't do that now and she goes other chapters talk about like social media and how that factors into like why we're we, at now yeah, yeah where we're at now and why we feel comfortable hating people and stuff like that it was just really interesting mm -hmm. and i want to say i think that's something that i really enjoyed about four because considering how much she framed her research i wish i had gotten more details more stories yeah. more lists of like why humans are acting mm -hmm. the way they are because i feel like in four she really sets it up by first talking about anger yeah and how it's like a catalyst for other emotions mm -hmm. and that pain that is denied or ignored becomes fear or hate Mm -hmm. and trying and she goes through the whole discussion of like dehumanizing yep. and i think when we when i learned about it in a college classroom it's totally different because you're like we don't do that nowadays a social yeah. media post can't dehumanize someone right but but it, it's the little stepping stones that mm -hmm. then she's like this is how things like the holocaust happened mm -hmm. it was through either language or imagery yeah and it leads to those types of things so i just liked how she set up and had like a bigger overarching com conversation and then zoned in on what she wanted to like even the thing on emotional safety i was like oh wow way to call out a yeah. lot of people of mm -hmm. like you know she you know she's sharing how emotional safety nowadays and i think i have heard a lot of people say that you know i don't have to listen to any point of view that is different from mine or i think it's wrong or hurtful but she's like 
yes and no. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. we're not going to be able to reach that or be in that quote unquote wilderness if we're not willing to listen to the, you know, people's yeah. perspectives and still be like sure of our own. Which makes you then still. stand alone. That's mm-hmm. the, that's mm-hmm. also the other flip side. It's like when you are like open and vulnerable with people, which is not something that we do nowadays, no. then that makes you an other. Then you are going to be standing alone in the wilderness too, I think is like the flip side of that as well. But like, um, but I do like what you were talking about, the dehumanization and on page 72, just like, Hmm. She just kind of explained, she said dehumanization is a process. Um, let me skip down. Um, another researcher she quotes defines dehumanization as the psychological process of demonizing the enemy, making them seem less than human and hence not worthy of humane treatment. And she says dehumanizing often starts with creating an enemy image. As we take sides, lose trust, and get angrier and angrier, we not only solidify an idea of our enemy, but also start to lose our ability to listen, communicate, and practice even a modicum of empathy. Mm-hmm. And so then she says once we see people on, quote, the other side of a conflict as morally inferior and even dangerous, the conflict starts being framed as good versus evil. I thought that was really interesting just because, like, it seems like it seems like something that as like human and like intellectual people, we would be able to spot right away, mm-hmm. but it's not. And even like, it's kind of reminded me of even as something as simple as like, um, on Instagram, not so much Twitter maybe, but definitely on Instagram, <clears throat> like your suggested posts is geared toward you. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, if you click on something enough, you'll start to get posts in your feed about that topic or about that show or about that book or whatever. Um, and like literally my whole suggested feed is like five things. It's Beyonce, it's, um, books <laughs> and it's, um, TV shows and movies. Probably like apartment. Yeah. Some design. like, um, like apartment stuff mm-hmm. and I don't know. That's pretty, oh, and dance mm. and some horseback riding stuff. And that's it. Like I'm, <laughs> it's so tailored to me because, and then I would keep clicking on it and then it just keeps going like that. I don't see anything else. Like I don't see, oh, and there's like some activist stuff in there. I don't see anything from like anybody else's perspective. I don't see mm. anything from a different political party. I don't see anything from any other like sports or anything. Like mm-hmm. it's just, it's me. And so when I go on my Instagram, something Lots. as simple as just being like tailored to me, I'm, I'm pretty much when I go on my social media, besides scrolling through other people's feeds and stuff like that on like the homepage, if I go Mm. to suggested posts, I'm seeing everything that I like. Like there's nothing else that would ever come across my feed that is from somebody else or someone else's perspective or anything. So it just kind of made me think of that. Not that that's like a process of dehumanization for other people, but like, it's just so easy to get. It sets a breeding ground for it. Yeah. It's just like, and it's, it's, you don't have, it's just, it becomes so flat because there's no variety and whatever else it's just tailoring to what you already like which is kind of the argument of like when you argue with someone everyone that both people just get more like ingrained in what they already mm-hmm. thought no right. one's changing their mind mm. so it kind of reminded me of that of like how we get so like enraptured with our own lives and like our own things and it does kind of feed into dehumanization because we're just we know what we like and we don't really care what that person likes mm-hmm. or what that person thinks it's just not part of like it's not part of our want to know and especially with social media like she goes to talk about later in the book like it does feed into how we perceive people because they're behind a screen and we're behind a screen so like it's easier to talk badly about them or hate them or whatever because we don't have to really connect with them it's a Mm -hmm. screen or it's just twitter or it's just words or whatever that you're reading it's not 
someone face to face with you yeah so i just thought that was really interesting and it just reminded me of like how yeah i almost media. forgot about that part yeah. it was so good because you know she's sharing like we're so used to hearing our own thoughts mm-hmm. coming from other people mm-hmm. we follow people that yeah. agree with us which i mean i understand there's nothing wrong with that but when that's solely the only thing and that's what we've mm-hmm. set ourselves up to be because the other side yeah is wrong there's nothing i can gain from hearing their perspective so yeah. i think and I, I even remember, I think it was at the end of four, I forget what other doctor she was sharing um, her research on, Dr. Michelle Buck, mm-hmm. about how to like the the fallacy of like agree to disagree and how we see yes. no value. And yeah. if we have an argument, well, I'm just going to stop this argument because we're not going to get anything out of it. Mm-hmm. But she's like, a real argument I can have come out the other side with a better mutual understanding, respect, yeah. care for the other person. And still completely disagree. And I feel like we can say that, but we really don't exercise that from day yeah. to day because we're just so, in 2021, it's like, no, there's no value in that. Yeah. I, I'm not going to care for you as a person because we just can't connect in any way if we don't you know, agree on whatever the issue is. Yeah. So I just really liked, and her like, because again, I'm a big fan of like having points and like, what are mm-hmm. some things you can do? And... These were the three things Michelle Buck, I think this was not um, Brene Brown's research, but she was saying, you know, sharing about her research. Yeah. And the first thing was to explicitly address the underlying intention. Like, what what are you trying to get out of this argument rather yeah. than just putting words out in the air that don't really mean anything? Mm-hmm. Two, it's like, where are we now versus what we're trying to accomplish in the future? Like, she feels that a lot of people bring up the past and she's like, so you have changed as a person. You're not the person you used to be. Right. Why don't we talk about where we're at now? And something that can diffuse a situation that she thinks that people don't really use in their conversation nowadays is like, tell me more, like help me understand your point of view. Yeah. She just help me understand why this is so important to you or help me understand why you don't agree with a particular idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Rather than just trying to communicate why your side is right. There, those are things that you can put into your conversation Mm -hmm. so that you can get something more out of it yeah which i I just really like that section it kind of took me by surprise because i didn't think that's where she was gonna like bring us to in that chapter but i really liked it yeah i liked it too i liked in that whole conversation it was um michelle buck dr Mm -hmm. michelle buck um and she's a clinical professor of leadership at the kellogg school of management at northwestern university um but i do like the agree to disagree thing where Brene asks her, like, sometimes when I get overwhelmed, my default is agree to disagree and mm-hmm. shut it down. What do you think about that approach? And she, Dr. Buck says, people often silence themselves or agree to disagree without fully exploring the actual nature of the disagreement mm-hmm. for the sake of protecting a relationship and maintaining connection. But when we avoid certain conversations and never fully learn how the other person feels about all of the issues, we sometimes end up making assumptions that not only perpetrate, but deepen misunderstandings and that can generate resentment. Um, And then she says, imagine that after a meaningful conversation, two people could actually have increased mutual Mm -hmm. understanding, greater mutual respect and better connection, but still completely disagree. This is very different from avoiding a conversation and not learning more about the other party. So I do like that. I think I just I don't know. Like if if, but people go into arguments not thinking that like they just go into arguments thinking like, oh, I want to win this argument instead of going into an argument thinking like I want to learn more about why this person actually thinks this way. Mm -hmm. Um. You might think that, but in a really sarcastic manner, like I really want to make sure that I understand why you're thinking that way because I disagree with it. Uh But actually going in with like um, with the expectation that you're going to learn something new. Mm -hmm. And once again, goes back to that whole like dehumanizing process of like not not looking at the person as like 
other or less than because of their views, but going in, looking at the person is like, well, I really want to understand where you're coming from. Because mm-hmm. if you assume that not everybody has bad intentions with their views, then it's easier to have a conversation with them. But if you come on the defense, then it's, you already lost, like the, right. you already lost the whole like vulnerability aspect. Like, you know, you're going to be on the defense. You know, you're going to be arguing. You're just listening to respond. You're not really listening to actually understand mm-hmm. what she talks about later or whatever. But, um, and she, when she wrote this book, I mean, it was 2017 and like politics were on fire and everything and they still are. <laughs> but like, so that is a really hard concept to do because like you just, and once again, like going back to the social media thing, like you already see your opinion, like pretty much like thrown back at you all day mm-hmm. that reinforces in your mind. Like I'm right, I'm right, I'm right. Cause your feed is just tailored to you. So, and what you click on and stuff like that. And you never really see dissenting opinions or if you do see dissenting opinions, you see it in the context of someone that you agree right. with attacking, attacking it, it or and you're like, yeah, same. It. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. So it is really hard, which is why I think it's really interesting that her research is in um, mainly vulnerability and shame and stuff like that, because um, it is like super hard to do that and to engage with people in a vulnerable way when you already know you don't agree with them to begin Mm -hmm. with and you know that even if you're coming from a place of vulnerability they might not be even if you're coming with like openness and you want to understand they're not so Mm -hmm. it's like you're really taking a risk which is like braving the wilderness aspect of it of like being like well i'm gonna be open and i'm not gonna insult them i'm actually gonna listen Mm -hmm. and like that's all good for you but they're probably not gonna be doing that so you're really taking a risk by doing that but um but yeah, I did like that. It's just easier said than done. <laughs> it, it is. And I think when she goes into the idea of what it means to truly belong and she distinguishes from like belonging by changing who you are and fitting into a certain group of people or your side, you can truly belong when you're just who you are mm-hmm. and presenting that to a person. And which I, I don't think many people understand because again, our culture and peer pressure we feel more comfortable when we fit in, but there's so much to reap and enjoy, which mm-hmm. it talks about also in another chapter. Um, when you're just like honest and vulnerable with a person, is it painful? Like she even shares stories where she's like, I was honest with this person. I tried to deal with it as best as I could. Mm-hmm. And I didn't like, I look back on it and kind of cringe, but at least I know I was true to myself yeah. and it better prepares me for the next situation that I might be faced with having to deal with that. So I like that. It also wasn't like a success story every time. Yeah. Like it's going to suck. Sometimes. It's going to suck. Yeah. You know what I mean? But they're, the reward is high. Yeah. And that's what she went back to. And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh, then I can see that. Yeah. Because, um, I mean, going through college, I'm like, yes, the pressure to fit in. Mm-hmm. I would have, I never w- was able to see, like, the, the the award of, like, being myself sometimes. Mm-hmm. But now I'm like, oh, I can I can understand how, even though at moments it might be painful, mm-hmm. you get more comfortable with yourself. And yeah. But. And I think people <laughs> will, like. Yeah, a lot of people will reject whatever if you're not fitting in and they'll not have anything to do with you or not want to have anything to do with you. But then there are other people who like I feel like I feel like more more people than not will be totally fine with someone not fitting in. Like I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think of the people that like I met through college and even now that are like so different and so out there and like I love them for it. Yeah. Like you know, it's just like a, and they're like unapologetically themselves. And mm-hmm. I'm like, yeah, those are the interesting people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like those are the people that I like hanging around with because they're not like everybody else. And I feel like most people will have that same reaction. But like mm-hmm. in our minds, for some reason, we just don't think that's true because we have this mentality that like, 
I don't know. We we all have to like you know we're mammals. All mammals like to travel in packs, <laughs> and like we want to be like that same in a group. Same, in a group. It's a group. safety, yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like herd mentality kind of thing. So like, I think it's just our nature to do so. But it is like much more interesting and more fun in life if you don't fit in. I like it. Yeah, and then after that chapter on the people are hard to hate close up, we had mm-hmm. the speak truth to bullshit, mm-hmm. which I also really liked. I did the too. The very beginning, I was like the difference between lying and bullshit. And I'm like, I don't get it, but okay. Yeah. Um, but she did bring up some really good things of like, you know, pushing us to recognize how often we rely on bullshitting something mm-hmm. when we feel compelled to talk about things we don't understand. Which I'm like, that's so human. We see, we do it every day and we see other people do it like the need to weigh in on every single issue because you see it on social media and i'm like i don't know crap about whatever is happening in this country but i have to have an opinion because my side already has one right so i need to figure that out and comment it on my facebook post or whatever it is or instagram and i mean you already know that i am not on social media i just (laughs) absolutely hate when other people do that and i'm like it's okay like i'm very comfortable saying like i don't know jack squat about this yeah let me get someone who does know and see yeah. like they've researched or learned about it. Yeah. But I'm like, I think in our culture, I see that all the time. Yeah, dude. And it's, it's so you know, toxic. She didn't talk about I, this, but it reminded me of this. And she probably didn't talk about it because I don't know if this was even like that big of a thing. But now it is. And I think it, it definitely came to light like last June um, with the BLM protests throughout the country. But like one of the things that really was an annoying and I think would fit into this chapter if she I feel like if she wrote this book today she might (laughs) she probably would (laughs) um but one of the things that is goes in with this whole speak truth to bullshit I when people um were talking about the BLM protests last June and a lot of times people who which I'm not saying that's a bad thing but like people who had never mentioned it never talked about it before (laughs) were suddenly on board which okay fine but like if that's the case don't show up on Tuesday show up (laughs) like be an ally for like the rest of the week too don't not just when it's convenient for you or when everyone else is saying something about it but this goes back to like you know people who have to feel like they have to have an opinion about stuff they don't Mm -hmm. even know about and this reminds me of like performative activism Mm. and the example i'm thinking of is when and i don't know how it started or who did this but last june when everyone was posting black squares on instagram yes i remember and i was like how does this help anything i've never heard like what is talk about yeah and then then they post a black square and and they're like i did it (laughs) i am an ally for black lives matter (laughs) and i was like what does this have to do with anything (laughs) yes and like i remember me and candace talking about it and being like so what is a black square like are you communicate what is, or what how you learn or whatever and yeah. then people tried to post other resources on top of that yeah so and like, i was like that's like okay i don't understand how that's and so it became like one of those things that's like performative activism like that you're just doing it so you look like you're in the know or you look like mm-hmm. you really care but you you might not and like it, it was just, so that it reminds me of that of how like everyone not even had to have an opinion but everyone had to be like like get in on it I get in on it but like they don't to, even know what they're but it's even just not for yourself yeah. it's legit just to show other people yeah that you that you know you or that right. like yeah you're an ally and stuff but it's like you know it's okay to like sit back and say like i, I don't really i know. don't know like i don't know any about anything about this but i'm gonna go educate myself and see what i can actually do to help mm-hmm. instead of posting a black square on tuesday and then wednesday being like completely not even remembering Selfie. i did that like yeah so it's just like it, it just reminded me of that um when she was talking about it and I was like, yeah, I feel like we, we've, since she wrote this book, like dug a bigger hole of that. Mm. Um, 
but I I really did like that chapter as well. I liked the fact that when when she's t- like writing all of this, I mean, I don't know her process, but she was very like straightforward. Like, no, this is like how it is as well as she goes through examples that um, like I liked when she started talking about like how she grew up with guns and stuff like that mm-hmm. and how like mm. in her family they would go hunting and blah, 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 blah. And they had lots of guns, but she also realizes that like there needs to be gun control mm-hmm. and she's on like not both sides of the issue, but that's kind of what people perceive her as right. is her being on like both sides or not picking a side or whatever. And her being like, no, like I think, you know, guns are great because we can go hunting. And like, I grew up hunting and blah, blah, blah. blah. But she also recognizes that like, but we need safety mm-hmm. measures in place and we need stricter gun laws and blah, blah, blah. So, and there was a story she told about like a woman who right. was trying to catch her kind of like in, in a trap to mm-hmm. try to mm-hmm. have her like contradict herself or whatever. And, um, and she just kind of like shut it down and was like, no, I am, uh, I'm, I'm both because of this, this, and this, and this. And people just don't want to accept that. Yeah. And people don't want to accept that you can be once again in this wilderness or in this third space of, of being like, of having opinions that seem to go against each other, but mm-hmm. might not based off of your personal experiences, mm-hmm. they don't go against each other. And it's just our society is so divisive at this point. Yeah. I think she's recognizing like we're here in this place and that's yeah. why that third space seems so yeah, just pops up more and more because like she she goes on to say like that leads us to a place of like the either you're with us or against us argument yeah and i'm like oh yes we have heard that and i like how she went into it because I, I i don't hear this very often but it's considered a false dichotomy mm-hmm. um and it's a force it's a move to force people to take sides um and i like how she noted like because of that we bypass effective problem solving like we can't get to the root of the issue or yeah. go from anywhere we're just stuck at the either you know you're with us or against mm-hmm. this argument um and then she goes through like different steps that you can kind of overcome that but yeah i like that because i think it's things you hear and even if you don't hear flat out every day it's something that we see in our mm-hmm. feeds in the news articles we read and what the news that we watch it's a very like it's polar like polar. you either have this or this and she and like i've never liked that either which is why like few years ago when third parties third third party political parties were starting to become a little bit stronger i was like yes 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 but they <laughs> didn't last didn't, at all <laughs> didn't last but um but like when she's having this argument with this lady about like gun control and stuff she her response was really good on page 101 she says um she said i mustered up the most empathy i could and said after arguing with this lady for like yeah. two pages now <laughs> I know that this is a hard and heartbreaking issue, but I don't think you're hearing me. I'm not going to participate in a debate where this issue is reduced to you either support guns or you don't. Mm. It's too important. If you want to have a longer conversation about it, I'm happy to do that. And I wouldn't be surprised if the same issues piss us off and scare us. But the lady walks away. So (laughs) um, you can put yourself out there. But but I also do like how she said, like, it's too important of an issue to just Mm. reduce it to either you do or you don't. Like Like if you actually care about it that much, you'll want to discover all different avenues of it Mm -hmm. and like really go into but people once again with this like performative activism stuff that like they don't really know they don't really have an opinion but their side does so then they automatically do, do yeah. automatically like, assigned it. to them then they're just like they don't really care about the issue but they're like oh well my side thinks this so that's what i'm gonna think too mm. without actually caring about the issue or like deep diving into the issue to then discover like well what are some avenues that we can fix this or like what are other arguments that people have and mm. why do they have those arguments like what makes them think that's the solution or whatever Mm -hmm. and so i really did like that as well um and i like just that you know she and and all these stories she tells like usually she's like i wanted to say this but 
me I, thinking about empathy let me say <laughs> this instead like trying to be the most civil she could yeah and it's hard because you're right like thinking for yourself just happens so rarely nowadays like yeah. i feel like any opinion you have is given to you mm-hmm. and you just assume it's correct yeah and the way it's framed it's like set up to be polar and i'm just like no if you actually think about it like what do i what do i think about this issue yeah now hearing the information from both sides you can form your own opinion and she's like and that's okay yeah no one has to agree with it then you share that and we talk about mm-hmm. it so that was a great chapter yeah, too and she that. i don't is this part of maybe it is part of this i think she ends oh i did love this analogy so the way we engage with social media is like a fire this is like the only Which, yes. this, is the, this is the only symbolic imagery i liked because i i mean I, I understand the wilderness thing but i for some reason mm-hmm. both, both things i'm just like no but it's like a fire you can use them to keep yourself warm and nourished mm-hmm. or you can burn down the barn it all depends on your intentions expectations and reality checking skills and i was like you know what that's true mm-hmm. and i think we both have shared over the past i mean a year year two years i don't know how long we've been doing this podcast that we suck at social media gabby <laughs> does twitter but I, I do see this and you know what the way i use social media i'm okay with like it's yeah. not toxic to me i'm not very active but i check up with people i learn mm-hmm. about things that i may not know a whole lot about um but i know that yeah i know that and i think if people i think that's a good analogy because again fire <laughs> like if you it get too be, close you can it can be really destructive yeah. or it can like she said it can keep you warm or you can burn down your house like you know and it's i and that's uh, that's also why on like twitter instagram facebook i never get on so i don't really care but like instagram and twitter <laughs> pretty much dominate my my social mm-hmm. media um i have like time limits on them mm-hmm. so like because i know i won't cut myself off because i can scroll once again i can scroll through my suggested posts forever because it's it's all tailored to me it's everything i like and i i'll look at the clock and be like it's been 30 minutes of me scrolling through and like watching videos and doing whatever and so um like it my phone will you know it has like the timer or whatever where it's like you've reached your time limit for today and i'm like okay (laughs) just like i guess that's enough so if i run out of time on instagram at noon then i for the next 12 hours that's it um which is good for me Mm -hmm. and i think like i'm glad that apple like added that feature Mm -hmm. that you can do now on like any app because same with twitter like i know when i've had enough where i'm like i see something and i'm like that's enough internet for the day (laughs) like it's just too much now um but yeah it's i liked that analogy too and that that was good that i think once again we don't always think about or we don't think about how it could social media could be damaging us mm. or we hear it talked about but we're like yeah but that's not me and i'm like that says it probably is mm. um so i did like that too um <laughs> go ahead no, it's just something else that made me realize this book was not written super recently is at the end of that chapter she also references susan pinker the village effect how face-to-face contact can make us healthier and happier and i was like oh wow if she wrote this during covid it would have been like a whole extra long section (laughs) i did think about that too Um, yeah i was like oh man brought up some good points and i was gonna say you know what she says is that neglecting to keep close contact with people who are important to you is at least i don't know how like reputable this is but she says at least it's dangerous to your um, health as a pack a day cigarette hypertension or obesity do i know if that's true or not but basically it ain't healthy for you and i also like that and i wrote the kicker that's not her language but the kicker is (laughs) it doesn't have to be a whole lot like a handshake or a high five Uh or a 30 minute once a week meet with your Mm -hmm. best friend 
satisfies that and mm-hmm. when i thought about you know people can read that and i think a lot of people use the argument of like oh my god and covid and you know whatever wearing masks or regulations and i'm like you don't i mean you should have long conversations and close contact we have our germ pods you already know yeah, <laughs> like we're in a germ pod yeah. because we know we need that we can still be safe with that and it would have been super curious if she like made a little addendum like in covid yeah what, i'm what, curious what her in relation to yeah. this that she presented what her thoughts would be on it because it really cracked me up i'm like wow sis you don't know what's coming yeah. um <laughs> yeah I'm, I'm curious what her thoughts are now i'm sure i don't follow her on any social media but i'm curious if she's like talked about it or blogged about it or something i don't know but i did like that too and that that really went into like the next chapter that i thought it was really super interesting was the hold hands with strangers um and how collective grief is kind of like oh i just thought that was like so interesting how she talks about she in this whole chapter she talks about like how we have an inextricable mm, inextricable connection with each other through grief and Mm. mourning and uh tragedy which was like really weird when she first saw but i was like yeah Mm. i guess that's true or even it's like it's like almost like opposite it's either grief that brings us together or like complete joy joy that Mm -hmm. brings us together and i thought that was really cool and she uses like football games as an example and like um and how like you know you don't know the person next to you sitting in the stadium but you know they're a phillies fan so you guys (laughs) are best friends like you know so when the phillies you know when they win then that's like your Mm -hmm. those are your people and that's collective joy and whatever and then she talked about how funerals bring people together Mm -hmm. um she talked about the challenger exploding and how people pulled over and i wasn't alive then but um when she talks about sandy hook and how sandy hook brought people together Mm -hmm. because this is a tragedy that like you know not that we can all relate to, but everyone knows a child, everyone knows a teacher. Um, whether you have a child, mm-hmm. you have a sibling who was that age, that one of the kids that was killed, your sister's a teacher. You know, like right. you just, you, you had a teacher at some point, mm-hmm. you've all been to school. Like, so it's just things like this that like, you know, grief brings us together after 9-11. Like mm-hmm. everyone was like, this is a national tragedy. It didn't matter right. your political party we're American like this is an attack on our country and so Mm -hmm. she talks about like different situations like that that bring us together and I just and she kind of to bring it on like a more personal level she was like a funeral like a funeral is something that um brings people together you don't you don't know the people sitting next to you but you both knew the same person that died right and so because of that you're that's that's a human connection that is just so deep Mm -hmm. that um you can't help but to feel like you do care and know about the person next mm-hmm. to you. So I really thought that was interesting. Like that's how, that's how you get to like people's like being like, that's how you connect with them is either through like high grief or high joy. Like there's nothing. Which was really interesting. Cause I, it, and, and she says like, we need those moments mm-hmm. in order to see other people as humans. Cause she's like, if we go to a political convention or see the news, you're not going to get, that yeah. and she's like what i mean tragedy is horrible but yeah. she's like we need to expose ourselves to those moments so mm-hmm. that we can just see the humanity in the mm-hmm. person and that was so interesting because i'm like she's like you just need to do this there's no other like in yeah. all my research there's not a like a cooler way to put it like there's no some, middle ground there's no middle ground yeah. she's like you know you need to do life together and you're just compelled mm-hmm. it doesn't matter if you agreed with them or you were on the same side like to still recognize that's a loss Mm -hmm. or a huge win for Mm -hmm. somebody and to be able to celebrate or agree with them is like one of the deepest like human connections we can have because we are connected but when we are in these other situations that don't allow us to see that yeah and we don't put ourselves in those situations then we can lose that part yeah ourselves and like those are the two things that garner 
vulnerability. Like mm. when you're at your happiest and you're joyful, that's vulnerable because it's just an emotion that is like deeply personal. Mm. And then when you're grieving, that's a really personal thing too. Like you, you don't just grieve in front of everybody. I right. mean, like in our culture, at least that's not yeah. something you do. Mm-hmm. You grieve privately. Um, you're joyous with people around closest to you. You don't do that usually like out in the middle of who knows where. So it was really interesting to me too. Like I, I guess I'd never thought of that before, but then she, I don't know if it's in that chapter or a different one, but she talks about like, she was kind of like, think about your friendships or your connections now. Like you have your friends and then you have people that you have only connected with because she uses the example, like, you know, if you see this lady three times a week and the only things you do is gossip, you really don't have a connection. Like if you don't, you gossip about like the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Like she, and I thought that was interesting too. It's like, Mm -hmm. you know, she was like, if you and this other lady have a mutual friend or a mutual acquaintance or someone you both know and okay, well that's your connection and you gossip about this person, but that's all you do. That's not a connection. It's just Mm -hmm. that you want to gossip about the same person that you both know. So, and then she was saying like, well, think about your deeper relationships. Like, yeah, you might gossip, but what do you also talk about? Like, what are the other things that bring you together? Mm-hmm. And so the difference between those two things, and I was like, yeah, that's pretty true. Like, even if I see someone once a week, if we still are talking about things other than, like, cheap gossip or just, like, <laughs> small talk, mm-hmm. it's still going to be a deeper relationship yeah. than someone I could see five times a week, but all we do is talk trash about other people. Like, so I, I thought that was interesting. I never thought about, like, the whole joy-grief thing, but I did mm-hmm. like that as well. Mm-hmm. And right after, I mean, one of the few things I pulled from that last chapter, because she was wrapping things up, after the conversation on, like, collective experiences mm-hmm. regarding joy or grief, she mentions that, discomfort is the greatest deterrent of our generation and i was like huh maybe so i mean i feel like for some people i feel like you don't like being vulnerable like you said it's just something where we're either doing it privately or we don't or we push it away we push through um and that was an interesting she didn't go super deep into it Mm -hmm. but it's just something she mentioned in passing in the last chapter and i was like i think yeah that ties well in the conversation she began yeah in the previous chapter yeah at the last chapter i was like i i get it it was like one of the few things i but like i was just down. like reading it and i was like yeah 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 like <laughs> after the first two paragraphs i was like okay i understand what you're going with yes this. um but it's called strong back soft front wild heart uh, which is not my favorite point but which <laughs> but, like, um, like vulnerable in the front but still be like sure in yourself in the back again there's lots of symbolism yes. that i just like do not connect with but i Although get it i thought Brown. what i thought was interesting is the example she used in this chapter was jen hatmaker who is a oh, Christian yeah, yeah, yeah. author. And she says um, a powerful example of a, strong, <laughs> of a strong back comes from my friend Jen Hatmaker. Mm-hmm. She's a writer, pastor, philanthropist, community leader. Um, last year, I watched her navigate a brutal wilderness with grace, grief, and strength. Mm-hmm. As a well-known religious leader in a conservative to moderate Christian community, Jen wrote openly about her support of LGBTQ rights and inclusion. She experienced an openly hostile response from many in her community. Um, and then she she has a quote from Jen Hatmaker that, that Jen kind of explains like how she went through this um, and stuff. And which she, she was church scripture. Like I know she, she mentioned yeah. her church experiences previously, but yeah. she like still goes to church. And that was also something that I didn't know about. Yeah. But I, I just, I, yeah, yeah, I know it's like kind of wild. Like Brene Brown, I don't know her like religious right. affiliation or anything like that, but she, she kind of seems to be like everywhere, but I <laughs> a liked little bit. <laughs> a little bit everywhere, but um. <laughs> But I liked what Jen Hatmaker said in, in when she was talking to Brene about like being in the wilderness and stuff mm-hmm. like that and like being um, a conservative Christian, but deciding to come out and say that she 
supports um, LGBTQ plus uh, rights. And she says, I suspect the wilderness is a permanent home for me, which is both happy and hard. Um, and she said, it's not unprotected territory. It is not void of human flourishing. Mm. It's celebrating, belonging, dancing, thriving. Um, but it's also really hard and the walk out there is hard, but the authenticity out there is life. And she just kind of like talks about that. And I don't know. I thought that was really interesting just because like it, that, that for me was the most like, um, not powerful example, but tangible example of what it means to be in a wilderness Mm -hmm. and like live in it and be like, yeah, well, here we are. Like not everyone's going to agree with you. And what's hard is that people from your own quote unquote side won't even agree with you. Mm Because um, everything has to align. Completely. Everything has to align either right. with this or this. Which and if goes not, back to like, you're like cast out, which is like yes. So that's the me, like that's like the third space or the wilderness part of it is that like, well, you don't fit into a box, so you're gonna be kind of out here alone until other people. Which that's the other thing about it is like when you are brave enough to go into like a wilderness part or whatever, other people will be as well. But someone has to like kind of like start that mm-hmm. momentum, and so which is true because she mentioned and something you said like. But you appreciate people who just are themselves. Mm -hmm. Like, they don't care. When she mentions that, like, the wilderness isn't a void place. There's people who are living their creatives, profit system, buckers, and risk takers. Those Mm -hmm. are some very (laughs) nice adjectives. But, like, there are people who are doing that. You should just join them. Yeah. Just saying. Like, it's okay, but it's going to be hard. Yeah. The price is high. The reward is great. Yeah, what Maya Angelou. What Maya said. Got to see what Dr. Angelou said. She was in the in the very first chapter but i want to read it again because it was really good and i like how Brene was like i did not understand this at first and i was really, <laughs> really upset and she like like disagreed with it because yeah. and something i don't think we didn't touch on at all because i don't think it's like completely applicable to us but it's something i'll definitely store away for when it is more applicable um she talked a lot about family i think mm-hmm. in the first and like last chapters and how even though you might not belong at your workplace at school yeah. wherever else like sense of belonging comes first and foremost from her family yeah and i think again it wasn't a book centered around that but she's like when you don't address things that you know you have pain from mm-hmm. or resentment you're gonna pass it on to your kids yeah. so you should figure that stuff out before you do things you might regret you yeah. know you pass that stuff on if you're not gonna deal with it so you don't even realize that that's, you don't like, even you're realize doing that. like but it is it, it does start i mean like yeah that's your first like quote unquote group you or should your fit first, in there yeah like mm-hmm. you're born into this family or whatever like you should you should fit in or like that should be easy for you to fit in and so when mm-hmm. there's like and she talks about her own childhood when there's tension or there's something wrong or you're not fulfilling your parents desires or whatever then if you can't even get that right mm-hmm. in your mind it's like well then i can't get anything else yeah or it's I like can't the belong deepest sense else. of her which yeah. is something that like wow yeah like when i first heard it, i'm like I get it, but then here, like on on a page, I was like, oh wow, yeah, it's like the deepest yeah. hurt. She's like, I am like pretty messed up from that, and I have to deal with stuff yeah. that still affects me to this day. So I was like, hmm, something to keep in my back pocket. I mean, yeah, because it's it's true, and like, and besides the Maya Angelou quote, but at the end of chapter one, she has like Brene puts like a clip or not clip, but a little <laughs> excerpt from an yeah. interview that. Um, oh, Maya had that was from so good. I like Bill the one from Viola. Well, that well, one, the one from Viola Davis was, was really, really, good really good. But um, Moyer, she had an interview with um, Bill Moyers. Maya Angelou did, and Bill Moyers asked, "Do you belong anywhere?" And Angelo says, I haven't yet. And he says, do you belong to anyone? And mm. she says, more and more. I mean, I belong to myself. I'm very proud of that. I'm very concerned about how I look at Maya. Mm. I like Maya very much. I like the humor and courage very much. And when I find myself acting in a way that isn't, that doesn't please me, then I have to deal with that. 
And I don't know. I really like that. And that's when Brene, when she puts at the end after that hmm. interaction between Maya Angelou and Bill Moyer, she, um, Brene Brown thought Maya belongs to Maya. I belong to myself. I get it. I don't quite have it completely, but at least I'm getting it. Um, with the whole like quote that she just couldn't wrap around, like wrap her mind around of Maya being like, yeah, I don't really belong anywhere and that's fine. <laughs> like pretty much. Yeah. And Brene being like, I can't relate to that once again because she had family issues growing up and she was mm-hmm. like, well, I, I want to belong somewhere. Like, so I just really, I like, once again, when I first read the first chapter, I was like, I'm not sure where this is going. <laughs> but by the time I got to like chapter three, four and on, I was like, okay, I'm with you. Like I get it now. Um, I really enjoyed it. I thought it was, it was a really good read. It was a good, it was a good, like almost like reminder. Like I feel like mm. all these things we kind of get, um, or we inherently know, but just to be reminded of it and to even give, she gave like, once again, like we talked about tips on how to deal with people and have an argument and have a conversation. And what do we do with that? Like, I thought those were all really good things. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really applicable. And, um, I liked this book better than the other one I read by her. That I'm, I never I'm, finished. Glad, I'm glad you did. And <laughs> I didn't I, even finish I that were good one. Good examples. So. Like even, I wish I remembered more of the Viola Davis. I didn't write down the page number, but it's fine. Oh, I uh, it's really that. good. If you read the book, you should definitely like yeah. uh, earmark that section. But she mentions like one of the business meetings she had where one of her like close co-workers called her out and said, mm-hmm. <laughs> we said we weren't going to do this and how she was really hurt by that. Yeah. But in the end, she appreciated her all the more for it. And I'm like, I think she didn't say this, but one of the biggest steps towards braving the wilderness, if I'll say, you know, call it that, is to surround surround yourself with people who will call you out. Um, Because even as friendly as Gabby seems, sometimes she just call me out and it's really like horrible. But then I'm like, yeah, she's right. So I couldn't tell um, if that was sarcastic or not. You're looking for Viola Davis. No, no, no. It was good. It was good. It's just sometimes, I mean, when you're by yourself, you don't be thinking some things and you need some other people to tell you. (laughs) I mean, me of that. listen, I try. Viola Davis. <laughs> I forget which she's on. Was so good. She was on page 83 to 86. Oh, it was earlier than I thought for some reason. I thought that was like. She was in People Are Hard to Hate close up move in. Yeah, I really enjoyed her story as well. I thought I didn't know she was going to use Viola Davis as an example. So when I came across mm-hmm. it, I was like, this is kind of a an example I just wasn't <laughs> expecting from her. But I was like, I, I loved um, I used to I was be obsessed with how to get away with murder and then I never finished it because my favorite character died and I was like never mind I'm not watching this sorry Viola but um but I did like the example that that she had of Viola and like Viola's life and how she grew up and it was a really sucky childhood and um she never thought herself as like pretty or talented mm. or whatever but I mean she's now one of like the most celebrated actresses of like our time and I don't know like just her, her embracing story. yeah like her story and like her embracing the fact that like she didn't look like everybody else mm-hmm. um she started late in life with acting and and it kind of almost reminds me of um Taraji P. Henson's story as well as an actress and not I mean Taraji P. Henson didn't get into acting until mm. like in her 40s and um people were always like saying like well you're too old or you're too this or there's not gonna be any parts for you and blah blah, blah. and her just once again like Viola Davis like braving the wilderness right. and being out in wherever and making it work for her um so yeah i really enjoyed that yeah and like her going through like the problems she had Mm -hmm. with her father Mm -hmm. which i didn't know there's certain things i just didn't know and she's her saying at the end you know every story matters Mm -hmm. her father's story mattered and she even somehow came to a resolution of whatever you know the conflicts they had when she was a child and you know the stories that you don't want to hear or know about or the people that you don't want to get to know they still matter too and that's when it goes back to like the collective humanity yeah how are you ever gonna if you really care about the things you care about you should want to share them 
share even that much more so mm-hmm. with people who don't agree with you like yeah you can share it with people who do share your viewpoints all day long and that can feel really good yeah. but if you really do care about those things sharing it with people who may not yeah. care about them should be like all the more important but i don't think it's something that we like we don't approach it that way mm-hmm. nowadays and like i think yeah i mean and i think like that also goes back to the whole like dehumanization like you're saying like mm-hmm. you need to share your stories with people because when you do and people share back it makes them human to you again like mm. it takes away the dehumanization that just seems to creep into our psyche i guess and um i like the last thing that viola davis said when she was talking about being the wilderness she says i will not be a mystery to my daughter she will know me and i will share my stories with her the stories of failure shame and accomplishment she will know she's not alone in that wilderness so i really liked that i thought that was a good end to that chapter it came out the cut it did all, all her stories kind of came it out did, the cut but for I, me. I liked it but they fit in they fit in they yep. were good little nuggets and a good uh book yeah. i hadn't read anything like actually through and through recently so this was good i did finish it i did the thing good. Have to start reading it's not it's not eggs. terribly long either it was a no, really good short like yeah it's like 160 some pages but i literally read it in like the past two days yeah. so <clears throat> but now that i read this i can read like my back to back to usual reading okay nice nice productive you still have a book of mine that i'm waiting for you to read so we can talk about it like if you'll remember anything from that book are you kidding me i do if you as soon as you start reading it and you're like oh this just happened i'll be like right 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 right. no because i mentioned something that happened in the first chapter and well, you like the so first confused. chapter is kind of like irrelevant oh. it's kind okay. of setting you up or maybe, whatever okay maybe but i remember the premise of the book you have to be one of my like habit books okay, tim did fine i'll do it Give me, give me, give me, give me, give me. We have to pick what type of book. It has to be something different than like a. This isn't a self help book. But no, it's not. It's I called it that, but it's next. not. It's like maybe social we could science. Maybe a fiction book. Yeah, I have many next, here to choose from. I know, I know. So maybe for the next season. Okay. But um, if any of this interested you, and if you agreed or disagreed with anything, you should still go and read the book. Yeah. Let <laughs> us know on our social media what you if think. If you have read it and what you think, or if you read, if anybody read Rising Strong by Brene Brown, can you <laughs> just, explain I, it to Gabby? Explain it because I literally got like a quarter of the way through, and I was so confused, and I was like, I don't really understand what's happening. Okay, but like, good for her. Um, maybe it was just I shouldn't have started with that one, but I did enjoy this one. So, Braving the Wilderness, Brene Brown. Let us know on social media what y'all think if you've read her if you've watched her ted talk ted talk is really good um and yeah i guess we will see you in the next one we will yeah oh it might be a little different but we have a q a coming up so whenever yes. you see that poll on our instas then you can um, send us any questions at underscore change by degrees dot com just kidding i I wanted to say dot com too but i was like wait that doesn't make any sense um unless you wanted to go to our website and leave us a question on our episode we will look at it and find it change remember that we had like an about us page i completely forgot so she used the picture for something and i'm like yes sis we have an about us page just for the updated i don't we i I, man i need to just sit down one day and just do it and just update everything it just takes it's just tedious and i just need to do it and just just resolve myself to the fact that i'm just gonna be for a few hours doing that but um i need to but anyway go to our website and if we get a lot of traffic to our website it'll motivate me even more to be like let me edit we had someone from fairfax tune in i don't know who. really yeah checked out our page so yeah and you can because like i don't think on spotify or other platforms you can leave like comments you can leave reviews on apple which you should do rate us please I think five stars. Like five, we, five we have a few stars. five stars, so we're really like popping. But stars. if you want like comments about the episode, in case we don't post on IG about it, 
Um, you can do that on the website. Oh, yes, you can. We you had can a few comments on like our first few episodes, and then and it's then like just, radio yeah. silence, which is okay. But if you wanted to like put on your own thoughts, you can do that. On go the website. on, go on there and uh, leave us a comment. You're really encouraging them to do that. I know. Okay. I just need to go. I just now, now in my mind, I just like I don't need to go edit this. You don't want to be embarrassed. I, you don't want to be I, embarrassed. Yeah, let me do. Let me edit it first before okay, you go okay, over there. Okay. okay, but anyway, that's all we got for you today. And we will see you next week with another episode. Yep. Bye. 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 Okay, stop. <laughs> Bye.